0: Yeah, hit that. Hit that soundboard. Yeah. Live long and prosper. I was going to the Tosche station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. Buy Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> what a saving. One does not simply walk into mortal. X never, ever marks the spot. Until he's coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. My whole Kermit's frog ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Woo! Yeah. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 111 of a play on nerds. This is a very special episode because next time we'll get to repeat numbers like that is episode 222, and that's a long way away. That is a long way away. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm Steve <laughs> and I'm Jarvin, and we're here to get you to 222. I hope so. Uh, but in the meantime, here's one, one, one. Yes. Uh, what are we talking about this week? This week in our continuing saga of going back and forth between Muppet movies, my passion and Star Trek stuff, Jarman's passion. We are watching Star Trek 2009, the first of the rebooted JJ verse or Kelvin universe uh, <laughs> movies. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it. But before that, it's been a long time since we talked. We took a little bit of time off for the holidays. What? How were your holidays? Good. I, uh, I, I just been with family a little bit and for Christmas did all that. And then, uh, yeah, it's been before Christmas since we've talked, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then just had a small family Christmas. It was really nice. Got some, actually some stuff to help the podcast for Christmas, which Ooh. is great. Um, well, first I broke the microphone i have been using for years on this podcast. Uh, and now I'm using a shotgun microphone, uh, which is funny because in voiceover uh, I didn't know this until I got into it, that they use shotgun mics for promos and for trailers because they cut through uh, music and sound a lot better than condenser microphones and dynamic microphones. So it's like that long microphone you see them on film sets using. And you talk right next to it. And that's what like um, Don LaFontaine used for in a world, all that stuff uh. it, like builds your voice up. Um, so it's interesting. We'll see how it sounds in the final product. Uh, but then I also got a rising desk because uh, I have a horrible back. And it hurts to sit for longer than like 30 minutes a lot of time. So I, my parents very nicely got me this desk that goes up and down so you can sit, sit down on it or you can make it go up and it's, you can stand at the desk. So I had to kind of rewire everything. And so I could clean up my wires and make it so they can go up and down without getting tangled. And, but that's a lot of fun and a wonderful stream deck, which is made by Elgato. It's a little thing that has a lot of buttons on it that are led lights that you can change the pictures and the buttons and play sound effects. (laughs) Oh, cool. And so it's so easy for me to play all our intros and all our stuff. And you can also change the volume on screen. So I don't have to reach over anymore to turn down the intro. Ah, I didn't have to grow a longer arm. So that's great. (laughs) Uh, But then New Year's just had some friends over and got to see old friend of the show and old friend of ours, Patrick, um, and his wife and baby came over to Orlando and spent the New Year's with me uh, with some other friends and such. And so that was a lot of fun. And this baby's adorable. Ah, Well, it sounds like you had a good a good new year. Absolutely. So what do you, what'd you do for the holidays? Uh, for the holidays, man, we traveled to Pittsburgh on an airplane with a two-year-old. Oh, all the way to Pennsylvania. Man, yeah. Uh, she did really well, considering only a couple freakouts. Uh, we had to get her her own seat this time, which I could not imagine having that child be on one of us for a whole six hours. Oh, God, yeah. I just can't even imagine. She is so big now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's walking around and everything. Um, so we get Pittsburgh was great. Got to see Nana and Pop Pop for Christmas. Uh, my brother and his wife and their daughter were there, which was very exciting to get to see all of them. Uh, and did Christmas morning proper as like the whole family for the first time
1: in, in a long recent, while, right? In
0: recent history, yeah. Because the last time you were all together was for your dad's retirement a long time ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about last Christmas together, like on Christmas Day. Yeah. uh, Probably a decade. That's hard to arrange. Yeah. A couple days after, a couple days before, doable. Exact day with both families. Tough, tough. Mm. We did it. It's awesome. Uh, And No family fights or anything? No, nothing terrible. Not just the normal stuff. (laughs) Of course. Uh, Joyce did have two funny... uh, incidents while she was there uh so she was playing with my mom's watch because she loves the watch and apparently she turned on the sos mode which calls emt emergency services oh no (laughs) so my mom so she played with the watch my mom thought shut it off put it in a drawer hops in the shower 20 minutes later knock on the door. My dad says, come in thinking that it's Anna and I back for the evening. Nope. Uh, two EMTs asking if anyone's dying. Oh, God. <laughs> so my parents call me in a panic, turn it off, make sure it's not going to happen again. I tell them just turn everything off till I get home. Uh, I check. Nothing crazy happened. I couldn't figure it out. And so then the next day we're in the, the truck with them and uh, my mom, uh, all of a sudden the SOS mode on her watch starts going off again. <laughs> and I look and like the kid is nowhere near it nothing's happening so it turns out my mom was flexing her wrist in such a way that it was holding the side button down and when you hold it down for five seconds it initiates a countdown and then calls ems (laughs) so we turned that feature off is this the apple watch yeah this is the apple watch i got that for christmas too ooh from the girlfriend i didn't know if you held on the button for five seconds and called emt's (laughs) Yeah, I, some combination thereof. But it was simple enough that she did it with her wrist, and I was just, sh- I was just ashamed of her for blaming it on the baby. <laughs> she wasn't anywhere near that this time. No, not this time. I was like, "What did you do?" <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, but yeah, and then we flew back incident-free. It was pretty good. And what about New Year's? Were you there for New Year's as well? Uh, no, we came home. We spent New Year's at home. Uh, I Anna got sick in Pittsburgh. Oh, I got sick. Like I was coming off of that last sickness. So we were just in no mood to go anywhere. Plus we had just spent like 12 hours like flying the next, the last day traveling. Day. So we went, we got food. We made a big thing of soup. We ate soup. Much needed. Like, you know, we didn't do anything major. Nice. And the first was Anna's birthday. That's right. I wished her happy birthday on Facebook. Yeah. I don't think she goes on there very much. No, not. It's pretty rare. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Oh yeah. Well, that sounds like we both had a pretty decent time. That's right. Except for all the work I'm doing. I don't have any time to go to the gym anymore, but I'm still losing weight little by little by just eating no garbage whatsoever. And it's terrible. And I miss carbs a lot and just eating just chow salads, chicken and fish and broccoli. They, I mean, car, carbs are awesome, man. Oh, I miss them so much. Just <laughs> <are>. <laughs> I'm trying to be better too, but like, I still have my role with my, with my, uh, soup every day at lunch I mean that's one bit of carbs not that bad yeah and I just I yeah I just have no time to work out because I'm working like 12 hour days so it's just it's been pretty rough my my wrists and my mind hurt to all of you that do manual labor 12 hours a day yeah you have it worse but it's just it's still mentally taxing to be doing one thing for 12 hours but anyways yeah. <laughs> so I think we have a new section in our show to talk about that's right do you want to introduce this new segment uh I'm going to call it The Fool's Forge. The Fool's Forge. We'll workshop that. But uh, it's uh, we've been talking a lot about D&D. No, that might be a taken name. That's a taken name. Oh, okay. Like, I use Fool's Forge. I'm sure you're great, guys. Uh, but the idea is uh, I'm going to take characters that you know and love and try to recreate them in Dungeons and & Dragons. And here's Fire our me. new theme music that we did not write. Let the Dungeons & the Dragons begin. It's d and <laughs> the legends of your it's dnt <laughs> yeah okay so this the idea is i want you guys our audience to give me suggestions on characters to make fair favorite, favorite characters from your favorite movies tv shows and i'll do my best uh this week i started thinking about what it would mean to make a super spy like the ultimate spy now mind you uh not all these characters are very playable <laughs> i'll be very open about that <laughs> And not all of them are ones I would be excited to play, but I was trying to figure out how to build like a James Bond or like super infiltrator spy. So uh, you start off with uh, the charlatan background. Uh, Most importantly for this background, you get a fake identity that is backed up with contacts and papers. And we should say for people that don't know much about the fifth edition DD, D and D that they have a new thing. Now, in addition to your class and your race, you can choose a background within your class and so what kind of rogue are you what kind of warrior are you kind of customizes you even more in a fun way and gives you kind of um little traits and abilities that you can use within your classes that have direct or indirect effects um so in background because you get this fake identity right along with a couple other nice things you get a fake identity and that's killer so then you choose warlock Uh, i know it doesn't seem obvious but you choose warlock take two levels in warlock uh, because you want those sweet, sweet Eldritch Invocations. Eldritch invita- Invitations? Invocations. Oh. Uh, and they are what flavor warlocks play. Uh, most people use them towards damage and Eldritch Blast and stuff like that. But we're not taking those spells, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's <laughs> not what this is about. So you're there for Mask of Many Faces and Armor of Shadows. Nice. Mask of Many Faces, you can cast Disguise Self voluntarily as many times as you want without casting a spell. Mm. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, Change at will. Pair that with a high charisma character and you can do almost anything. Armor of Shadows because it gives you uh, 13 AC plus your dexterity bonus. You're going to be a pretty high dexterity character anyway, and it allows you to not have to wear armor or be encumbered while you're trying to do crazy spy stuff. That's important. So you're there for those two Eldritch Invocations. You're going to get a few other spells from Warlock, Charm Person, and maybe one other that'll help you out. That's not what you're there for. Then you move over to rogue. Uh, you're going to pick up lock picking, sleight of hand. You're going to get double, uh, double your bonus in one of the main socials, deception, persuasion. This is where you're going to get how you get through the door and how you sneak around. Um, and then here's the kind of the capper. At some point, instead of taking an ability score improvement to make your, you know, your strength better or something like that, you're going to take a feat. And the feat is actor, and this allows you to perfectly impersonate someone else. Mm-hmm. After ha- any after having heard them speak, additionally, you get to roll advantage on any deception or performance check where you are pretending to be someone else. That's pretty specific, but it's what this class would require. Oh yeah, so yeah, you're going to be rolling plus eleven on a deception check anytime you're you're trying to lie about who you are or sneak in under someone else's guise, but you're also going to get to roll an advantage every time you do it very nice um so that is my idea of a build for a super spy and i always want to play characters like that but i in at least the last 10 years i've been playing with groups that are just full of very intelligent very well-versed in D lore and very fast in their feet people and i can't keep up enough. Like I think I'm a smart person, but I get with these groups and I'm like, I can't play with these characters in one of these groups because I just can't stay fast <laughs> enough to do it. If that makes any sense. Um, but so they yeah, are fun to play. Listeners, Jarman come up with another character archetype, favorite character from a movie. And I will find a way to try to design them. Right? Like if you guys want us to design a Deadpool character, class we can do that we can talk about that or just bring up oh, any yeah. anything you want from a movie or TV show Star Trek anything the sky's a limit yeah so let us know I'll do it or try my best absolutely and does that bring us into some nerdy news that does nerdy news hit that button <laughs> hey, it's time for nerdy news <laughs> oh yeah So I was looking for Star Trek news and boy, did I find some. And I have to say, I looked at some um, Star Trek news as well because a longtime listener and uh, professional rocket scientist, Ian Cohen. That's right. He let me know that Star Trek four may have something going on and you're gonna talk about that now, I guess. Yeah. uh, Star Trek four is on the ropes. Uh, So apparently the original script in some way involved elements of time travel or different timelines, being that they had approached both Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth, who played his father in the first film, George Kirk, uh, to both be in the movie. And they didn't give them the money they wanted, and both actors walked. Neither of them were contractually obligated, and they both walked. It's crazy. Uh, so they still had some other characters. They have some other production staff on board. Uh, but unfortunately SJ Clarkson, uh, director of a lot of big TV, Hmm. uh, the defenders, uh, house Dexter bait motel, orange, new black, Jessica Jones, um, SJ Clarkson has gone off the project to go and direct the pilot episode of the game of Thrones prequel for HBO. And I'm assuming probably more involved with that show going forward too. So she'll be busy. Oh yeah. She'll, I mean, when they bring on directors, it's typically for two or three episodes. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, Star Trek four, um, not looking great. And initially, uh, even after the negotiations were falling through, they're like, well, we're going to keep working at it. And there was talk of a Tarantino directed Star Trek film with maybe the same actors. None of it made any sense. It's still under discussion supposedly, but uh, the last official news of the project was over a year ago at this point. Yeah, it's, it's rough. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it though, because CBS is running wild with Star Trek shows going forward. So, Oh yeah. The fans are going to get their fill and they'll probably get more accurate Star Trek going forward. So all the fans were pissed off that this film, this film series was just too action-packed and stuff. They're going to get more you know, TV versions of this show, so it's good. It's it's not right. bad. It's just kind of sad. We'll never see those versions of the characters again. At least not all of them. Yeah, they'll be old by the time they do it, though. We'll have Fat Kirk again. Dude, that's where we could get a Sulu show with Cho in it. That's true. I wouldn't mind that. That would be awesome. Love me some John Cho. There are characters left. What was that? Oh, the characters yeah, left. Yeah. left. Like, think, think about like bones, but not the bones you're thinking of. And then there's no check off cause he died. Yeah, he did pass. Yeah. It's terribly sad. Well, uh, anyways. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I uh, know the fourth movie is not looking good. Uh, and I have some space news, not uh, star Trek directly, but it's still space related. They're uh, in the same area. Exactly. So on January 3rd, China's Chong E4 uh, lander landed on the north, the south pole of the Attican Basin area of the moon, which is the first ever landing of a spacecraft from Earth on the dark side of the moon. Ooh. So this is some big stuff. Um, and China has had this under wraps for a long time. They mentioned a long time ago they might be doing this project, but we heard nothing else about it until it's basically happened already. So it was crazy. Um, and it's, it's weird to think about that so many countries can go to space if they want to, and we can't tell them not to. So it's just that they're doing it on their own time. Um, So the first few pictures from the dark side of the moon are already out from that lander, which is pretty crazy. They bounce off a satellite, then it comes back down to us. Uh, That's cool. And they aren't very interesting so far. Kind of just, you know, gravel, moon dust. Uh, But uh, the weird thing is, is that they're bringing uh, stuff to plant a garden on the dark side of the moon. (laughs) Which will include okay. cotton, potato, rapeseed. I don't know what rapeseed is, but it sounds like a horror movie. Uh, yeast yeah. and flowering plant called Arabidopsis, <laughs> which may produce okay, the I'm- first flower to grow on the moon. Arabidopsis, <laughs> Bibbidi-bopidi-boo, you know? <laughs> I, I love Arabidopsis. <laughs> well, this sounds like a terrible idea of like a horror film, putting all these weird plants and stuff on the moon. And just seeing what happens and what grows with the radiation. Oh, I mean, out this there. Is, this is literally the plot of Red Planet. If oh, you remember, that's it right? We this, like Tom Sizemore is up there with that rover right now looking at plants. <laughs> well, he hasn't, looks- throwing weights at Val Kilmer's chest. Tom Sizemore has something else to do, so that's probably fine. <laughs> He's not busy, certainly. No, not since the relic. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Wasn't that, that Mira was Sorvino? Like- uh, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> but yeah, China is doing stuff on the moon. It's weird and creepy. And we'll see That's if they great, find man. our hidden moon base up there. Yeah. Cause you know, I bet you they will. It's just a Chuck E. Cheese up there. <laughs> no, I, that sounds awesome. I want. Yeah, I know. We wanted that to be our first exposure to alien life. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. This is what we have to offer. We always knew those Chuck E. Cheese things were aliens. Fucking creepy. Just go home. <laughs> Uh, Well, I think that leads us into our main segment discussion of Star Trek. It sure does. 2009. With this wonderful intro music. I thought it was like, so I I want to talk about this beginning of this thing, actually, because uh, it actually has a tune you can remember and sing along to kind of. Well, I know that you've harped before about um, that. There's just no good music in movies anymore. And I think that this is one of the rare exceptions to that rule. Right. It's Michael Giacchino, who's done a lot of stuff since then as well. Um, like, I think the Avengers theme has also done that, you know, there's those sort of recognizable tunes, but very few. Yeah, they'll have like one second maybe of like, uh, oh, I remember that, but that's done. You can't hum it or anything. So, but I've had that tune stuck in my head for a while I'll, on occasion, just popping in my head because it's a tune for God's sakes. So that's true. that was the first thing I really liked about this movie. It starts out with that song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is the first entry in the JJ verse of yeah. Star Wars, Star Trek films. And I remember this came out, all the Star Trek podcasts I was listening to were in a TV saying this was not real Star Trek and this is bullshit and it's too action packed. And I, I thought this is the resurgence of Star Trek and look what we got now, 12 Star Trek shows coming out. So it That's was, right. I was right the whole time. Well, the franchise certainly needed something. The Next Generation films had fallen flat with the previous two. Whether you like them or not, they were box office failures. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and they needed something big. J.J. at the time, so hot. So hot right now. Coming off of Lost and a couple other big projects. Alias, and wasn't it, that him too? I think so. Yeah. And then to find out he was popped onto this was so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we start off with this crazy in your face action sequence in the beginning Um, it's the USS Kelvin, hence the Kelvin verse that this became, Uh, which is his his father's name or his father-in-law's name. Oh yeah. It was his, it was JJ Abrams. Grandfather was named Kelvin. There we go. And it pops up in all of his productions. Apparently just like Greg Grunberg. Um, But anyways, so it's the ship that uh, George Kirk, his father is the first officer on. And his mother is on the ship as well, pregnant, very pregnant, but we don't know that till a little later. And there's a captain who I didn't catch the name of. I'm sure people yell at me for not knowing his name, but he's cool actor, bald guy, um, playing the intense captain. And suddenly there's giant thunderstorm happens in space. And this giant Narada spaceship comes out headed by Nero, the Romulan from the future. And uh, Uh, and this giant spaceship, just for the note, I think you brought this up. Uh, is a is a fusing of romulan and borg technology right and that's like apparently barely canon because it's in the, some comics and like they haven't some really talked about or it some it doesn't yeah. matter it's in my canon and it makes a lot of sense and it actually helps along the whole why everything looks different from that point forward in the kelvin verse because they apparently scan the Narada when it comes out as the shuttles are leaving the narada they scan it and they get all the technology information readings from there and they're able to imp- imp- in, uh increase the technology at the time, and so oh, twenty five yeah. years later, when Kirk's grown up, everything looks totally different than it did in the original series because they've built technology off of what they found in the Narada. so I kind of like that idea, huh, yeah, okay, so it's destroying the Kelvin easily, going right through their shields um Nero and- calls the 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 captain over, asks about uh Ambassador Spock, who captain has no idea, and that's when Nero realizes he's in the wrong timeline, that's right. And uh, uh, so they, they set off to kill everybody. Uh, Kirk's dad is supposed to put it into autopilot and autopilot gets disabled. So he has to be the captain that goes down with the ship. And the whole time he's talking to his uh, lovely wife over the intercoms uh, while she's giving birth. And she gives birth to a child right before he's about to slam into the Narada. And they decide to name him James after her father. Uh, and then Tiberius's middle name. How about your dad, Tiberius? No, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, I <love> that, that <laughs> was a good line. That was a good line. And I thought this was so. This scene, under any other person directing it and writing it, the Robert Orci and Alex Kurtzman, it could have been really cheesy and over the top. There's too much going on. Like, what are the chances of all this crap happening right at the same time? But right. they pulled off, and it just works. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, So. Oh, another great they, part is someone oh, yeah. flies out into space. And as soon as they go outside of the ship, it's completely silent. And that's a big oh, thing that in space is, films. In the they film. never talk about is like, it's silent in space. <laughs> so that was kind of neat. Um, so I don't know, somewhere in here, we get a young Spock. That sound right. Uh, not yet. I think okay. they, they go right from there to a young Kirk, little kid, Kirk, who's stolen a car. His stepfather's car. Right. And he's driving off into the desert of Iowa. Why there's desert. I don't know, but, um, yeah. and he's being chased by a cop and he speeds up. He's going to fly off the cliff, but he decides to turn the car last minute and jumps out of the car. Car goes flying off the cliff. Cop says, name, what's your name? citizen? sudden, and he says, I'm James Tiberius Kirk. And it was yeah, pretty. Uh, and, uh, the guy who played his, his stepfather, uh, is the voice of the guy who played Matt Parkman on here. I can't, I don't know his actual name, but Greg. Never, yeah, there we go. He's one of JJ's uh, like lucky charms that JJ puts in everything. He's Every in movie, Star Trek universe, Star Wars universe. He's all over the place. Yeah. He's basically like playing the equivalent of Porkins now in the new Star Wars movies. But um, yeah, I thought this, that sequence was unnecessary though. It's just like, or they didn't do it very well. It was kind of cheesy. And like, why is he driving a car off a cliff? Like what the hell's wrong with this right. kid? Um, Oh, I get it. He's adventurous and rebellious, but it was just like, eh, it didn't work very well. Um, yeah, I think the whole point was like, he's a troubled youth. <laughs> Look how troubled he is. Ooh. Um, then we go to Spock. Okay, so yeah, then we cut to like young Spock at Vulcan school, where they're in like pods answering rapid fire questions on hologram screens, uh, and young Spock gets approached by three bigger Vulcan kids we were there to insult him about his mother being a human. Right. And this whole aesthetic and scene was basically pulled right from the animated series uh, from the seventies. Uh, it was like the same clothes and everything like that. And then being a kid in the Academy and in those pods learning. Um, so it's pretty cool. They pulled that from the animated series, which is crazy. No one's seen that. So it's kind of neat. Um, yeah. Uh, and he gets, uh, he gets really upset at them for making fun and of his mom. He hurts one of them real bad. And so he goes to Sarek, his dad, and his dad's like, you need to learn how to be whatever you want to be, son, kind of thing. Um, was that about accurate? They, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, and then we get a, uh, some sort of scene with his mom, Winona Ryder, or I don't know. Yeah, there's this whole thing about him being ashamed of his human side, but still loving his mother and blah, blah, blah. And he was saying, and they, yeah, they kind of transitioned him being an adult um, saying that, you know, he's going to go to the, um, the science academy. And he's like, should I do this? And should I also go through Kulinar and get rid of all my emotions? And she says, Well, whatever you do, I will love you and support you. And just kind of develops their Yeah, you'll always be my son. Loving relationship, which is nice. Yeah, it was a nice moment. And I think ultimately what led him to turn down the Science Academy, because he was the first Vulcan in history, but because he is half human, their record remains untarnished. Exactly. I thought that was good. And you could nice. see like Defiant Spock, which was fun. Yeah. You don't get to see that Spock often. And then I think it's when we cut to uh, a rebellious, even more rebellious. Ooh, Captain Kirk, not Captain Kirk, just uh, James Kirk in a bar, getting into a fight, hitting on a hurrah. Uh, uh, you get a reference to Slusho, mix. Slusho is another big JJ thing. Oh, is it? I didn't realize it that was. Yeah, Slusho. Weird. Um, And he's getting the crap kicked out of him. He's, he's a good brawler, but he's getting the crap kicked out of him. Uh, and Captain Pike comes and breaks up the fight and then recognizes Kirk from his father's name and convinces him to join Starfleet ultimately. Right, he's like, mate, I love that line. He says, uh, your, captain, your father was a captain of a starship for 12 minutes. He was the best captain I've ever seen. I dare you to do S- better. 700 people. Oh, yeah, that's right. I <laughs> save 800 people. I dare you to do better. Uh, yeah, so then the next morning, he's driving a motorcycle out to the shipyards, which uh, the one thing in this uh, reboot universe that annoyed me is that it doesn't make a lot of logical or scientific sense to build these giant ships um, in the atmosphere. We've already kind of figured that out in modern times. And if we ever did that in the future, we would probably be built built them in space. Yeah. In space. Yeah. Cause it's the weight to get them off the, out of the atmosphere were ridiculous. Uh, so I don't know why they decided to change that. They could have did somehow made that in space, but I don't know. It was a yeah. it looked pretty. Um, so then we cut to the, you get to meet uh, McCoy on the shuttle doctor who recently divorced and his wife got the whole damn planet in the divorce. (laughs) She only left me my bones. (laughs) Uh, and they're, they're fast friends. And they said, that's like a one way they could have why he calls them bones. But the other thing was from the original series was that they used to call doctors Sawbones. So that was like the nickname Uh, bones. That's how he got to begin with. But okay. Either way, it's fine. Uh, so three years later, uh, I think Kirk is taking the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. For like the third time. That's a big deal because no one takes it for a third time. Damn it, Jim. Why are you doing this again? Uh, and he ends up beating the Kobayashi Maru and basically cheating. Mm-hmm. And apparently Spock designed the Kobayashi Maru. He's very upset about this. That someone cheated. So he gets in front of the council headed by uh big mama's house. What's her name? What's the guy's name? Oh, uh, Tyler. Tyler Perry. <laughs> Tyler. Tyler Perry. <laughs> so yeah. Tyler Perry. For some reason, making a cameo. Um, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> happy Halloween. <happy, happy. laughs> so, I've never seen any of those um, movies, and I'm I okay got, with that. Check out Big Mouth, Big Mouth season two is real good. <laughs> oh, I did see one. that. Tyler Perry, real good. I did see Big Mouth season two. Was he in it? Season uh, season one. Merrick Merry Oh, <laughs> yeah. He he. Where he like appears? Yeah, it's good. That's funny. I forgot about that. Never forget. So yeah, Tyler Perry. And they're about to reprimand him and decide what his fate should be as for cheating the test. When they get a notice that, uh, uh, Vulcan is being attacked. Yeah. They get a discretion call from Vulcan. And with all their regular men engaged in some other system and some other conflict, they've got to send all the like fresh recruits. Right. And so they all go out to get assigned to different ships and uh, Kirk is not assigned to a ship because he's still in the middle of being reprimanded. So he's on leave and uh Uhura is going to get signed to the Farragut and she's pissed off because she wants to be the enterprise the flagship. So she talks to Spock and, and yells at him saying, I'm your best student. Put me on there. And this is where you start to realize that her and Spock have a relationship. Exactly. A little, a little weird kinky. Um, and then, yeah, so bones being the good friend to Kirk already Injects him with a uh, vaccination for a virus, which will give him um, some of the symptoms <laughs> so that he can get him on board the ship for medical treatment, um, which is a really funny sequence. It is a great sequence of him uh, giving him injections for doing things. And Kirk having different allergic reactions than him giving him injections to take care of the allergic reactions. <laughs> he's like, stabbing him in the neck. and He's like, will you stop doing that? <laughs> What's happening to me? Do you have dumb tongue? Num tongue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, something for that. Ow, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's a good scene. Uh, all while Kirk is trying to tell them that the thing they're going to respond to in Vulcan, he hears that came out of like a lightning cloud. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, that's the same thing that attacked my dad's ship. Um, and he remembers that Ahura had just said earlier that she heard over communications that um, 47 Klingon ships were destroyed just recently by Romulans yeah. of all things. Uh, so the Enterprise arrives uh, into uh, an ambush, effectively. hmm As he was uh, telling them it was happening. Yeah, as he was telling them it was happening, they come out, ships are blown up, ships are torn apart, the Narada is tearing through them like crazy. Uh, they stop when, realize, when Nero recognizes the Enterprise and says, Spock's on that ship. Don't blow it up. I want to get the young yeah. Spock. Because so, he wants both of them to watch, both young and old Spock, to watch the terrible thing he's about to do. Right. And before this, they have a lot of fun moments, but they're first taking off with the ship and everything with Pike uh, doesn't know who Sulu is because he's like, who is this new guy? And he's like, uh, oh, I'm Sulu. And he tries to start this. He tries to punch it to make the enterprise go off and it just stalls. (laughs) And then he has to have Spock tell him how to make the take the emergency break off, basically. Um, and then check off ship announcement was hilarious. He tries to start to open the, the ship wide announcement. He's like giving the code. And he's like trying to say word. It's just, I don't know. It was a great little moments here and there that are just comedic, but still yeah. a serious movie overall. Uh, so the Vulcans, not Vulcans, Romulans are drilling into the core of Vulcan with this big hanging drill thing. And it's also somehow blocking people from beaming up and down. So Captain Pike because he has been summoned to go over to the Narada, just like the last captain who went over and died like a punk. Um, he uses the opportunity to let three people make a jump down to the drill to try to disable it. And that's Kirk Sulu and red shirt. Yeah. Olsen. And I missed this joke. The first few times I've seen this movie, I don't remember this happening, but how he's like, um, are you prepared for this? And the, the guy Olson's like, Oh yeah, I'm ready to kill some Volt from Romulans. And then, He's wearing completely a r- red outfit, which means he's going to die. Uh, <laughs> I didn't ever caught that for some reason. It's a good reference. Yeah. Um, so they dive for it. It's a great scene. Uh, Olsen dies because he's foolhardy and doesn't pull his chute. Kirk lands hard. Sulu lands over the edge, makes his way back. They start trying to figure out how to destroy this drill. And then all of a sudden Romulans pop out and they start, they have this great, this great fight scene. Very much like Indiana Jones fighting around that p- uh, prop helicopter thing or prop plane. Oh yeah. The big, uh, heat pillars that keep popping up. Yeah. It yeah. felt a lot like that fight scene. It was pretty cool. Uh, ultimately they've, they are victorious. They have to jump off, but Sulu lost his shoot. The great scene where, uh, Chekov is trying to beam them up while they're falling. Yeah. Just barely makes it. I can do this. I can do this. And like him running <laughs> a great, great moment. And meanwhile, Spock, uh, it finds out what exactly they're doing with this drill, which is that they're going to try to blow up the whole planet with a small black hole with this red matter. So he has to beam down to the planet quickly to get the high council of the Vulcans. So they at least that the memory of Vulcan history can be re- remembered. Right. Um, and of course, save his parents. That's part of the inspiration because they're on the high council. Um, so he runs down there, gets them about to beam out. But at the last moment, the it ground unfolds. falls between uh, Winona Ryder. So she falls to her death and, the rest of them are beamed up to the ship. Um, so he's sad. Yeah. So, uh, meanwhile, back on, uh, the enterprise Vulcan implodes. Boom. The, the entire planet is gone. Um, Kirk goes and challenges Spock cause Fox says that they need to go back and rally with Starfleet. And Kirk says they need to go after Nero. They fight uh, and they fight. They fight and they fight ultimately it gets physical and um spock puts kirk down with a neck and vulcan nerve pinch mm-hmm. i think yes vulcan nerve pinch uh and and sends him down to a planet to die basically, <laughs> basically well he says get this man off my ship and he, he shoots him down to a planet that he knows has a, a starfleet a base. base on it but he shoots him way far away from like 14 miles away from the base um this very and the the pod even says this is a dangerous planet do not get off this craft wait for help to come later (laughs) so um so he gets out and it's this i felt this very much jj trying to have a star wars moment before he got star wars because it's like ice planet and there's these creatures and stuff and he's running around in the parka just like in star wars so it felt very reminiscent of that kirk is, is wandering he gets chased by a big beast and then an even bigger beast he goes into a cave, and suddenly he is saved by a stranger with a torch, and it's old Spock. Hello. <laughs> and he's there to explain the rest of the plot. James Tiberius Kirk. Um, and he yeah, explains basically in a very slapdash manner. I've seen this movie like six times, maybe more. And I still, it's not quite clear the timeline of things that were happening. So. In the future, he was sent to save Romulus using the red matter, which was going to offset the explosion of a star close to them. That would destroy the whole, their whole, um, he didn't get there in time. Uh, He didn't get there in time. So it destroys, uh, Romulus. But Nero witnesses, it goes insane. He's running like a big corporate drilling operation, basically. Right. Uh, he goes after Spock. Spock hops through a, a, a wormhole, a time hole that's created because the sun um, and the red matter colliding or whatever. Uh, Nero pops in after him, and then that is where Nero came out in the timeline. So the the confusing part is though, is that Nero is just part of a mining operation, a mining ship, the Narada. Yes. The thing is that they're which is confusing, is that. He Spock gets there just in time. He can't save Romulus, but he's there and he gets rid of the, the imploding sun with the red matter uh before it takes the rest of the solar system and Vulcan included. But so I'm guessing that the Narada was just there watching there that at the time and saw that happen, and so chases after him. But then why does the Narada have all these upgrades that it wouldn't have had if it was just a mining ship? Uh at some point they do talk about how um Nero in the time between did upgrade their weapons but how would he get Borg technology in the the past oh there was something I read that they said that he did go to V'ger actually while in Uh, in that 25 year gap between when he gets stuck in the past he finds V'ger somehow, but he would have had to find it with the Borg technology that was on. None of it makes sense. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't doesn't make. Well, sense. No, he brought Borg technology back from the future, where Romulans had recovered some of it. And so he already had it on his ship before any of this happened. Yeah, the the his ship is a mix of of Romulan and Borg technology, even though it's just supposed to be a mining ship. Yeah. Okay, that's the weird part. I thought it was strange, but I guess it can make sense. Right. <laughs> But there's a lot going on in his exposition, as you said, he he, he gives a mind meld to Kirk to kind of give him all his information in a very economical manner. Both Spocks had to watch their their thing fall apart. He encourages Kirk to go back and challenge Spock and try to become captain in like a really shystery way. Uh, And then that's when they go to find the Starfleet base that's on this that's on Hoth. (laughs) Basically is Hoth. Yes. And when they get there, uh, they find this little green dude who's adorable, and he is working with Montgomery Scott, Scotty. At this Scott who has been uh, basically abandoned at this base because he he disappeared. General Ar- uh, Admiral Archer, who is the character from Enterprise, right? Uh, Scott Bakula uh, d- disappeared. His dog. In some sort of warp experiment. That's right. By accident. So he gets banished to this base out in the middle of nowhere as punishment. (laughs) Which I guess was like another timeline change somehow, but who knows? Um, Right. Um, And so that's when Spock like breaks all the rules and reveals transwarp beaming. Which apparently Scotty comes up with on his own later on in his timeline, but he's just kind of speeding up the process a little bit here. Well, and I thought that that was... Possibly a funny throwback to Scotty in Star Trek 4 when he reveals clear aluminum and he's like, How do we know he's not the guy who invented it? Exactly. I love that. <laughs> I just, I, I, that might not have been a direct callback, but it felt that way. Yeah, that's true. I can see that. It was great. <laughs> so uh they have to send back Scotty and Kirk to the ship to Enterprise, which is currently in warp on its way back to Earth to rendezvous with the rest of the armada, but it won't get there in time and Earth will be gone. So he beams back in the ship, but Scotty gets stuck in one of the tubes in engineering, pipe, yeah. which is funny because it was filmed in a Budweiser brewery, a former Budweiser brewery. And that's like one of the water tubes. Um, and he gets them out and they finally get to the bridge, taken there by security. And he confronts Spock in the way that old Spock wanted him to, which is to get the emotions out of him because he has it's to be really sad. Yeah. And that way he compromises himself and he can't be captain. And since Pike made Kirk, the first officer. Slapped for some reason, uh, that would make Kirk captain. So he's captain now. I'm the That's captain. Right. Now. Uh yeah. So then he commits he changes course and makes them so they hide behind Saturn to get a backwards view of the narada, but be close enough to where they can beam onto the ship without them knowing and kind of sabotage it. So uh Yeah. Uh yeah. Spock in the meantime has a heart tart with his dad. They're both obviously sad about his mother's death. And that's when Spock decides to do the right thing and help Kirk. Yep. And he uh, they beam onto the Narada together. They're supposed to go to a nice secluded place, but they end up going right in the middle of all, all the Romulans working on the ship and they have to fight for their way through them. Uh, and where does Spock go? Oh, he goes Spock goes to the old, what do they call it? The squid. What do they call that craft? The I don't know. The Spock old Spock's ship that the Narada captured, right? And has all the red matter on it, containment unit. And so he escapes with that to stop the drilling platform from destroying Earth. And this is where it reminded me that both in Vulcan and on Earth, you see no orbital platforms, no defensive measures for these planets. Where is like their entire defense of Earth and Vulcan? That's true. The sky is just clear. There's nobody there trying to stop this at all. (laughs) Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's very true. Maybe we'll see in the future movies, I know the same thing happens with Khan, he comes back and like tries to destroy part of Earth too, and I think there are defensive things there. So maybe they learn from their mistake of not having any defenses on Earth whatsoever. Yeah, possibly. Anyways. So yeah, he uh, breaks the the platform thing. Breaks platform thing, they he kills Nero's second in command, they rescue Admiral Pike. Um and Spock, meanwhile, has stolen the ship. He crashes his ship with the red matter. This is young Spock stealing old Spock's ship, crashes it <laughs> with red matter into the Narada, and, and it just suctions in on itself. But then and it kind of creates too. a new black hole in the process, like right in the middle of the ship. So the ship's kind of going through a black hole, but also like being destroyed. But they're kind of worried that it's, you know, it might go through a black hole and, and go somewhere else. So they just fire everything onto it and just blow the hell yeah. out of it. Uh, in the end, Kirk offers for Nero to surrender. Nero says, absolutely not. And Kirk kills him. There's a fun moment. So where he says, um, Spock's like, why would you offer him peace? And he's like, I thought it would look good. I thought it was what you'd want me to do. And he's like, not this time. <laughs> that was a good moment. <laughs> uh, Kirk back at Starfleet day is saved. Uh, he gets promoted to captain, uh, Captain Pike gets promoted to admiral. He's in a wheelchair. It was a throwback to the wheelchair. original series. Um, and uh young Spock meets old Spock. He thinks it's his father at first, but he turns around it's old Spock. And he's like, well, there's too few of us for me now to am, talk to you. I am not our father. I'm not our father. <laughs> uh, but he, he says, and Spock young Spock really wants to go help the resettlement of Vulcan. But he says, well, you can do that. Um, and be in Starfleet at the same time because there's two of us he's like and I'm gonna take care of the resettling you stay with Starfleet Uh, so he becomes Spockman's first officer to Kirk uh, and they set off on their next mission right and one other big problem I have with these films is the way it's set up it's so weird that they would make and leave Kirk as the captain of their flagship vessel when he just graduated Starfleet like Academy. And so, cause it did, that's not the way it happened in the original series. Uh, Canon basically he went, he was in the, uh, graduate, went to the Farragut for eight years or four years or eight years, and then eventually got his own command on the enterprise. Um, so this makes little to no sense. They would have like, Oh, give him a promotion. Maybe he'll start off as Lieutenant or something, but he went straight to right. captain and stayed there a little weird, but Hey, you know, we're going with it because the movies and why not? That's right. Cause why not? Overall, highly enjoyable. I thought did a very good job of rebooting the franchise while being respectful of what had come before it. Right. I think so. And it's just that it needed to be more action-packed because it's a movie. And all the other movies were more action-packed than the, sh- the TV show just because it's a movie. You have to be. I feel like the pendulum really swang on that with Wrath of Khan being... Or... Uh, what's the next one? Oh, uh... Um, In- 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 in a darkness uh, in a darkness just re- so action heavy just so incredibly action heavy meal too much yeah too much and then they pulled back a little bit in beyond which i appreciated and i think we'll get there but beyond i feel like is the most it's settled in and accurate towards the feeling of the original cast like you get a lot of those great yeah. character moments you know um, but we'll get there uh, so what do you think of nero the villain um not the best villain certainly and you're right the um clouding and cutting around his backstory and story elements that were obviously cut or meant to be explained further um, really was a detriment to him as a villain. Yeah. Cause you get like only really fast snippets of his motivations and what the hell he's doing and where he came from and why his ship is has been so great twenty seven years? And you know, that kind of shit. And there was those cut scenes apparently of him on, uh, he got arrested after the first battle. because The ship was damaged from the, the Kelvin running into him. So the Klingons captured him and his crew and put him on a prison planet for like twenty years, Rupente. Uh, and they had Klingon scenes for the first time that were cut, so no one even saw Klingons till the next movie. Um, but it would have given more info about this guy. Anything. So that was kind of unfortunate. But I think he did a good job acting it. It wasn't badly acted. No, no, no. I, I thought it was perfectly fine. Um, you know, Khan was probably the, in my opinion, the best villain of the three. Yeah, the most fleshed out. Um it's just a yeah. weird casting choice. Oh, definitely a weird casting choice. <laughs> a little skinny British man to play a giant genetically engineered um Indian. Yeah, <laughs> what? It's true. what? I mean I it's agree a, they, they made a Spanish person play him before and he's an Indian, yeah. but his name was like Con Singh or something like that. Con Nunian Singh, yeah. Yeah, there we go. And but he's still was just massive, you know, Ricardo Montalbán. Uh, but no, I'm excited for this. I'm excited for the next Muppet movie we're doing, which is Muppets. Yeah. I haven't seen that since it um, was in theaters. I think we're finishing both of these franchises on good, strong notes. I agree. Um, and there's a lot of trivia for this movie. There's too much to go through. So uh, do it on your own time <laughs> to go to That's IMDb. Uh, it's just there was a list and list and list because I think there's just been so many commentaries. The newer these movies are, the more stuff there is to find on them. Um, Like there wasn't much for Wizard of uh, Muppet Wizard of Oz, but uh, there's a lot for this one. True. (laughs) So enjoy Uh, that, folks. And that takes us into a Would you rather? Oh, does it? it. Would Would you rather? All right, all right. So we got three quick Would you rather's for Jarman to consider. I like it. Would you rather talk like Yoda or breathe like Vader? Hmm. Talk like Yoda, because at least I would leave room for some voiceover jobs. If I had breathed like Darth Vader, I'd be screwed. See, I think to be like Darth Vader, nobody could stand to be around you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Imagine sitting next to Darth Vader at a movie. Oh God! Can you turn that down? It helps me breathe. I remember like end of Star Wars when he's dying and he's like pew, 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 pew. <laughs> it's like it's going faster when he has sex it probably just like that <laughs> oh baby uh, oh yes do you need your inhaler <laughs> I'm fine <laughs> he really shouldn't smoke I don't <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go also with talk like Yoda alright good because people can at least stand to be around him. All right. Would you rather fight three seven-year-olds or three 70-year-olds? So three seven-year-olds or three 70-year-olds. That's right. Um, I'd rather fight three seven-year-olds because I feel less guilty about like partially injuring them and being able—I'm more capable of like just subduing them to make them stop. Whereas true. if I if I had to really injure some 70 year olds, I just feel really guilty. Yeah, like if you knock one of them down, they're not getting up. I know they <laughs> that, that hip is gone. Forever, shattered, you know. <laughs> seven year olds have time to heal. Seven year old, you break their hip, they'll be like fine the next week. So that's right. <laughs> I would also go seven-year-old just because I think one good punch will lay each one out. <laughs> and there are some like impressive 70 year olds. So Yeah, that's true. They can grow old pretty fast. Okay. So would you rather? Eat Taco Bell until you vomit or eat McDonald's until you vomit. Uh, McDonald's easy. I don't want to put Taco Bell in my mouth in any regard. I hate hate Taco Bell. Taco Bell, I think I prefer, but the thought of like spicy coming back up versus McDonald's, which is all just (laughs) bland, nothing. (laughs) That's true. And and like in sauce, like I think I could do (laughs) McDonald's much easier. Yes. That's terrible. And uh, with that, that leads us into some trailer (laughs) reviews. Think on those, folks. (laughs) Seamless transitions. (laughs) Here at A Play On Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low, low end of the scale, we have Burn It, where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire. To burn it, Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. Eh, We'll see. Up next, we have Give It A Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for a play on nerds. Hmm. That's right. So this week we have two interesting movies, uh, both of which I can't really tell quite what they are. In very different ways. That's true. Uh, first, we have uh, Disney's *Artemis Fowl*. Our world has never been in more danger. Human greed Is what drove us underground all those years ago To escape from your Rapacious appetite I warn you boy You are not prepared for the truth Behind what you seek Now you will believe Oh, you will believe Oh, bitch. oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God. I don't know what this is. I'm guessing it's like fairies or forest folk or something with the way they're talking about being forced underground. Yeah, and in the trailer, you'll see lots of beautiful visuals of fantastical things mixed in with like modern day times. And the guy from Game of Thrones who played Zaron's own Doxos is an elf, maybe? Oh, I didn't see that. He's got blonde hair. He shoots a bow in the preview. I don't know. Black guy? Uh, Yeah. Oh, which one is that in Game of Thrones? Zaron's own Doxos who duck uh, sauce. Was, he, yeah. It's terrible. Uh, he was the, the rich guy in uh carth who oh. tries to entice Khaleesi and then his vault is empty and she locks him in. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, him, he's in it. He looked cool. Uh, yeah, it looks cool. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what this movie is. I've got no clue. Yeah. It's just, um, I, I, it looks like another adaptation of a young adult novel. I've heard the name before in the Zeitgeist it yeah, has be been true. around, um, but it just looks really pretty. And I know this is just a teaser, so it won't tell us very much, but I'm also going to say that Disney, their last two live action films that weren't part of something else or a remake were the Nutcracker and Wrinkle in Time. And they both failed at the box office, you know, kind mm-hmm. of failed considering and failed critically. They were both panned. So they're not done a good streak right now for their non-Marvel, non-Star Wars uh-huh. films. So I don't know. Uh, I'm going to give this a, yeah, we'll see. Me too. That's what I gave it. Cause enough. maybe a longer trailer and someone who's not blah, 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 in my voice. Yeah. I will. I don't like it. So uh, uh, the second uh, movie we have fun. is uh Jordan Peele who may get out and you might know him from key and Peele, the comedy Oscar duo. winning. That's right. Jordan Peele. Cause he won best director. Didn't he? I don't know. Or best original screenplay. Maybe that might've been it. Yeah. Um, he's making another horror film called us and i'm not playing the trailer just because i tried cutting something that didn't like have nothing in there yeah. just a lot of noise and the beginning's really fun and cool but there's not much dialogue but it's basically you have a family in a car and they're listening to music and they're singing along and having a good time she's trying to teach her kid how to keep rhythm with the song and there's like a, a girl and a boy and they go meet this like these white friends of theirs in the beach who are really like a pretentious sounding and and uh then they go to stay in this like rental place and this family approaches their home and it looks just like them. And so the whole premise, you get the trailer masks and yeah, they kind of look like them, but I mean, it's played by the same actors you can tell, but they, they look off and weird and they're attacking them and trying to kill them basically. Yeah. In some way or take them or who knows, but uh, I'm going to give this one a a show up and take my money. (laughs) I did too. Because you know, Oscar winner, Jordan Peele, like uh, that should be enough. And get out, which is so different and interesting and cool. Um, I expect more of the same. And this last scene in that trailer freaked me the hell out. So I definitely would watch it. I don't want to give anything away, but man, it was creepy as fuck. Um, but uh, yeah, I will see this movie. Shut up and take my money. Shut up and take my money. Take that. <laughs> uh, so I guess that brings us to some radical recommends. Uh, Yeah, it does. Oh, okay. <laughs> If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. So what you got for us this week, Steve? This week I have something that we found on uh, Amazon Prime video. And it's a show that we love, uh, that we've loved, Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay. Uh But there's a UK version. Even though he's from from the UK? Yeah, but this is the show that he launched in the UK, not the US version. Like the original one? Uh, so it's him going to places in, in England and Ireland and Scotland. Nice. And doing the same shtick. Uh, but the cursing in it is brilliant. He says things to these business owners that if he said them in the U.S. one, like he would be kicked out of every single restaurant. Oh my God. Uh, Europeans or specifically U.K. folk apparently relate to each other very differently. <laughs> well especially the sense. use of the the c word which we're not, we're not allowed to use in the united states but they use that all the time in the uk it seems you're fucking having a piss if you're not gonna do this you better go fuck off that's right you're <laughs> still you're terrible you're a pig and the guy's just like yeah yeah i am yeah go admit that oh, yeah. i understand yeah, I'm uh, yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> it's, it's, it's really weird uh <laughs> kitchen nightmares the u.s version is one that we used to watch with joyce because it's pretty innocuous we called it uh gordon yelling right
1: and there's a and kid's version kid-
0: too isn't there uh, well, there's, that's, uh, I don't know. That's his cooking competition show. Right. Um, but we can't watch Kitchen Nightmares UK with her because of the level of just language constantly. It's and amazing. She, yeah, she's going to be gathering that now, so she's old enough. Oh, <laughs> she's definitely gathering that. Well, that's fun. A lot, a lot of seasons of that? Like, not, like It's a collection from across nine or ten seasons. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah. crazy. Well, I have a happy a return to uh, Rack recommends uh, that show that you wanted me to watch called Happy. Oh yeah, um, I watched the two seasons that are out and now. They're on Netflix as well. I don't know about the in Canada and the UK, but they're it's it's ridiculous, over the top, cartoony levels of violence, um, but just also really laugh out loud funny in a lot of parts about a serial killer, not a serial killer, he's a contract killer. He used to be a cop who um he's a little girl because her imaginary friend little unicorn flying unicorn played by Patton Oswald. uh great. is trying to get him to come save this girl who's been kidnapped and there's a lot more going on than that but it's just it's insane there, there are a lot of super uh, supernatural elements mixed in with like hardcore police drama kind of elements mixed you know? with diehard like it's just basically insane yeah. uh yeah so wow. I, I, I return recommend to that um I'm glad you checked it out. Yeah. And all my friends have watched this show, which it's hard for me to watch this next one I'm talking about, which is shows that aren't any kind of genre at all. Like they're not fantasy or sci-fi or fantastical or horror, uh, Mm -hmm. which is glow. Um, Everyone's been talking about it and I never gave a chance. I'm just like, ah, let's watch at some point. But it just seems to to me a lot. I finally watched a show. I was recommended for years. That's not one of those genres. And it's, it is really still amazing. <laughs> like this is the wire. Same thing happened to me. I didn't watch the wire for years because it doesn't interest me. And I watched it and it was riveting and fantastic to the end. Same thing with breaking bad. Didn't want to watch it for a long time. Didn't care. Finally watched it. It was amazing. Um, and glow really, really good. Um, I didn't expect it to be as funny as it was. I was laughing out loud. A lot okay. of it. Um, mostly because the interaction between Mark Marin and the, all the female characters, he is just so sarcastic and, and hates life and hates people so much in that show that it's just really funny to have him interact with these like glittery, happy people. And it's just, it's, it's based off a true story. Um, a lot of changes and exaggeration from the true story, but it's still, of really course. Good. Yeah. Uh, Alison Brie from community, um, and mad men is in it. and, the rest of the actresses not that recognizable, but, uh, okay. Mark Marin's great. So also Netflix, it's 30 minute episodes, uh, two seasons of 10 episodes each. So 20 episodes, you can knock it out a couple days. Well, very cool. Yeah, there you go. Oh, it's, oh, by the way, I should say it's about female wrestling in the eighties. So that's what the plot of the show is. <laughs> so yeah, just in case you're interested, that old chestnut, that old chestnut. No, forget that. We don't have any thank yep. yous. No thank yous this week. Instead, I have a scolding. A scolding? A scolding for uh, Sean Vanderloo of Russell Robot Podcast uh, tagged us and said, hey, we want to know what you think about this Muppet question. And uh, they did. They t- Well, I'll talk about this hypothetical Muppet question later. But while leading up to it, uh, his co-host Josh said something that just rubbed me the wrong way. And his co-host Josh said that Sesame Street uh, are not Muppets. And <laughs> and that's fine that he says that and just like any of our listeners he's he's okay being wrong um and really he he said it very snidely and so that that's my job when it comes to muppet stuff so uh we're we're going to get into it a little bit um oh we should say so what happens at the end of rust of robot episodes is that Josh usually gives out a hypothetical so a fun situation in sci-fi or fantasy and he says what would you do like one of the questions was if uh you could have any a group of henchmen from any um, sci-fi, fantasy TV show or movie. What group would you choose, and why? Um, so those kind of things. So, I'll let you go on from there. Um, so he he claimed that Sesame Street characters and everything from Sesame Street and before are not Muppets, and that's just it's it's. I could see why you would think that, but it's it's untrue. Um, <laughs> so the word Muppet was coined for about by Jim as early as 1955 and recorded on a television interview in 1960. Uh, where he, he explained that it was a mix between marionette and puppet, which was the type of puppet that he ran. hand puppet with arm rods similar to a marionette. Muppet. Uh, this was also how he branded himself and his creations early in his career to set himself apart from other uh, puppet things that were happening at the time. Right. Um, but on, when he appeared on Ed Sullivan, it was Jim Henson's Muppets. When he appeared on SNL, it was with Jim Henson's Muppets. They are Muppets. Uh, When he was working with Children's Television Workshop, uh, both in his biography and in On the Block, which is a book about the background of uh, Sesame Street, they talk about the settling of the deal and that Jim Henson's Muppets would be coming to Children's Television Workshop, or Jim Henson's Muppets would be providing the entertainment. Mm, I see. They were Muppets. Additionally, if you watch the end credits of The Muppets, uh, if you watch the the Muppet show, uh, Sesame street as recently as 2017 and Fraggle rock, all of them feature, uh, the Muppet performers or featuring Jim Henson's the Muppets or Muppet Muppets by, uh. uh, Muppet supervisor, Foz Fazakis. Um, I've got <laughs> screenshots of all of this cause this guy is just so incredibly wrong. Um, <laughs> what about so that the dark might- crystal? Are those Muppets? Uh, no, not technically. Okay. Cause they have people in them and stuff a lot of the time. Yeah. And now mind you. So then this is where the confusion comes in is that there is a lot of separation now between the Muppets. We'll say like Muppets, uppercase M and Muppets, lowercase M. Gotcha. So the things Fraggles and the Sesame Street character, they're Muppets. That's what they were created as. They can be called any other thing, but a rose by any other name is a Muppet. <laughs> So then you have the Muppets uppercase M, which is the Muppets associated with the Muppet Show. Well, I could see him rebutting this already, saying, "Well, that's what I meant—the uppercase um, Muppets," and throwing out ah. the rest of your whole argument just now. Well, that's okay. I mean, <laughs> he has, he has to clarify, cover. though. That's true. He has to clarify. Um, and and mind you, as I said, there's a lot of reason for confusion when the Henson family sold to Disney in 2004. Jane, it's it said she wrote a letter, but really, her and a lawyer wrote a big letter. Um, wherein they retained the copyrights to early Muppet characters, including what they call uh, the before Muppet show characters, including the characters from Sam and friends and um, the guys from the Wilkins coffee ads um, mm. and copyrighted all those and basically said, you know, you own these characters. They put, she put in clauses surrounding um, that they couldn't make sequels to the Christmas toy and Emmett Otter's Jug band Christmas. And that they had to take Kermit out of the intro of both. Uh, they put in rules where um, they, they couldn't mess with Sesame Street. Disney could not mess with Sesame Street or Sesame Street characters. Because they're Muppets. Um. Yes. Now, mind you, at the time, that verbiage had changed because uh, they were uh, Sesame Workshop puppets characters because it was no longer Children's Television Workshop. Oh, so they're there's so as I said, there's there's reason to be confused. Additionally, um, all the SNL puppets are referred to as SNL puppet characters in legal documentation by Jane Henson, where she basically said, you can't call them Muppets, you cannot refer to them as Muppets. Oh, so later on this was all clarified. Yeah, this was in this was in the when they signed over in 2004 to Disney. Gotcha. So yes, Josh made a point that through legalese. And renaming and redistricting, they can they they may not be considered Muppets anymore from like a TM point of view. But Fraggles, Sesame Street characters, Muppet Show characters, they were created as Muppets. So basically, you could say that's what any marionette slash puppet uh, is a Muppet. So theory. yes and no. The issue is is that you have k- puppets like Cookie Monster, which was not which was hand driven through and through, or Big Bird, which had none of those elements, they are still considered Muppets. Because uh-huh. while it did start as the type of puppet he specialized in, it became a branding. And even in 83, he tried to go, he had, he, uh, Jim Henson tried to go back on what he'd been saying for years about the marionette puppet things. He's like, I just liked it. <laughs> so we kind of so went back again, on it. And so once again, there's a lot of reasons to be confused, but those characters were born as Muppets, They're, and, and they will die as Muppets. That's what they are. So they can be included in this hypothetical, which we are going to discuss. Technically, yes, I did not. Okay. <laughs> because, because while he was wrong, he was very specific about his intention. Which is important. Um, okay. So now that I'm done scolding Josh, Josh, I'm sure <laughs> you're a sweet guy, we can get into it sometime. Uh, let's talk unarmed and un- in armed combat among the Muppets. So yeah. So explain what the I hypothetical would, was to begin with. Who would win in a death match? between all the Muppets. And there were two categories unarmed, meaning just with their physical prowess and armed, meaning stuff that was appropriate to them as a character. Right. How I took it. Like not just a random machine gun. Right. Uh, Or like one of the dog cities with a machine gun. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Um, So uh, unarmed, I, I have got three main candidates and that's piggy animal and sweetums. Mm -hmm. Piggy uh, has been shown to be prone to violence in the hand-to-hand form in the form of her karate chops. She certainly is probably one of the most violent characters in the Muppets as far as what's been shown. You have animal who is vicious, has been shown to attack humans uh, and in the great Muppet caper actually bit through part of an iron gate. (laughs) That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, And then you've got Sweetums who in the Muppet movie, you watched pick up a car very easily and move it (laughs) Uh, and then in Mother Treasure Island, where I can't remember if he swung a cannon or a tree, incredibly strong, capable of violence, big dude. Um, and ultimately in the hand to hand, I got to give it to Sweetums. That makes a lot of sense. Now I will say, one of your candidates, Miss Piggy, on subsequent episodes of the Russian Robot, Josh has said that she's been proved herself to be a coward, and that's why she wouldn't win in hand to hand combat melee. Because in all situations where something important happens, she just runs away. Emotionally. Yes, but physically she never backs down. That's what I was saying. Cause like even the last movie we watched um, the, with uh, Joan Cusack, she's Cusack. She's the main villain. She just goes right there and fights her at the very end. And in the Muppets, she fights uh, the Miss Piggy replacement, which we'll talk about in the Muppets. Oh, okay. Um, But uh, I, I, I agree emotionally. She is the first to ditch. And we even talked about that in very merry Muppet Christmas where she's like, nope, I'm out of here. And she runs out in the Muppet, uh, the Muppet movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, she, I, I agree with that, but physically she's always up for confrontation. Right. But still you sweet sweetums and now armed. So this is an interesting category because as far as like standard equipped, uh, I think it comes down to three people. And that is Dr. Bunsen, honeydew mm-hmm. uh, who does terrible unspeakable things to his assistant on the regular when he's not even trying. <laughs> Imagine what he could do to someone if if he was trying to hurt them with his science. True. So him, uh, crazy Harry, who is a a kind of funny character who pops in from time to time, who has an explosion plunger and just sets explosives all over the theater and blows them up. Oh, we want to think about that one. Yeah, crazy Harry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he blows. It. It's great. <laughs> he's dangerous. Oh, he's very dangerous. Um, And then the Swedish chef. Mm Hmm. Uh, the Swedish chef is the, is my winner. Uh, I think on the restaurant, they brought up that, you know, he's got access to kitchen utensils and pots and pans and knives. Um, I, and that's not why I'm declaring him the winner. Mm-hmm. The reason I am declaring him the winner is because yes, he has access to all those things, but he is one of very few Muppets that has real human hands. <laughs> that's what creeped me out in the movie. I was like, has he always had human hands <laughs> to articulate things like rip out eyeballs? um, and really hold that knife while I stab stabbing, you know, uh, crazy Harry to death. So I am giving it to the Swedish chef, not because of his arsenal, but because he has actual human hands. Now, they brought up in the also episode that he wouldn't win because he f- he's too fumbly and he'd probably kill himself by accident or something or hurt himself by accident. But has he ever mm. been shown to hurt himself on any of the movies or TV shows? Yeah. I mean, there have been times where he, you know, he boiled a pot or something and it blew up in the air and landed on his head. I could agree with the accident prone ship, I guess, but he does have human hands. (laughs) He's got human hands. (laughs) Like that's a big deal in the Muppet world. He's got opposable thumbs, man. He can grip that knife. He doesn't have to put an arm down and put up a replacement arm that already has the knife taped into it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Pick up a knife and stab you. (laughs) consequently that's how i want to go by stabbing by Swedish chef i just want the Swedish chef to come at me with a knife uh, <laughs> uh so josh i'm sorry you're wrong if you want to rebuke me that's fine but i've got lots and lots of screenshots from fraggle rock bear in the blue house sesame street from as early as 67 and as late as 2017 that all say the muppets but we could <laughs> see where it, confusion would be sesame street muppets and later but still muppets well there you have it folks that is our muppet talk to end the episode and go listen to the rusted robot podcast if you haven't already that's a a fun fun romp thank you for joining us we'll be back next week with more fun possibly a muppets review possibly something completely random we don't even know yet but we'll be back again very soon and we love you guys thanks for tuning in we'll keep coming back to be your nerdy co hosts if you keep coming back to be our nerdy audience thanks again internet stay nerdy my friends Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. Yay! <laughs> We did it. We did.